0: you're a retired NHL player Uh, yes uh, retired a long long time ago I think the last game I played was 2003 so we're we're over 20 years since I played my last NHL game it's a literally a lifetime ago yeah
1: that's crazy and what was the
0: process to getting there Whoa. How long we got here? Uh, <laughs> um, anytime you get to achieve your dream, it's going to be a long and arduous process. Um, I say arduous, but it was probably <laughs> mostly fun. Um, I grew up uh, a little different than uh, out here in Southern California. I grew up in Massachusetts where uh, hockey was a big part of the culture, ice hockey. Um Boston Bruins with a team and and everybody rooted for them. I actually had a a gentleman who played for the Bruins live on my street so it was really just always around us. Um, The first time I skated we had a a wet fall. And so we had a big puddle in my backyard that froze. And that's the first time I skated. It was literally in my backyard on a, on a, on a frozen puddle. That was about five years old. Um, from there, my brothers played, all my friends played and you just, you know, you start at the bottom of that pyramid and that pyramid just gets smaller and smaller until eventually you make it. I mean, that's a, a very brief way of describing it, but it's, you know, When you're playing at six, seven, eight years old, you're just pretending you're going to be in the NHL. And then at 10 years old, you make an all-star team and it gets a little more reality. Then you get to high school and you make the varsity and it's ooh. And then they start talking about getting drafted. And then at 18, I did get drafted by the Boston Bruins. And then I still went to college. And then after that, you're still working to hopefully someday – possibly make it. And then I made the Olympic team after college. And then even after that, they wouldn't sign me to a contract and I'm begging them to pay me anything. And it still took a couple more weeks. And then finally at 22, after, yeah, I guess 17 years of, of playing hockey, I finally put on a Boston Bruins jersey and played my first game. So it was uh, a lot more details than that, but that's a, in a nutshell how, how I got there. And your first game was uh, 1991? season the season was 91 92 so i left boston college a year early my senior year i skipped to go try out for the olympic team um back in the day back then it wasn't uh they didn't shut the league down these days and actually they skipped it last time but the nhl shut down for two weeks so the nhl players can play in the olympics Back then they didn't. So it was mostly college guys, some minor league guys, um, but it was essentially a six month tryout. So you make the team out of training camp in August, but for five plus months, they literally could tap you on the shoulder anytime and be like, yeah, you're gone. So it yeah. was a very stressful five and a half months. I had a crack in my back. It was, it was, yeah, oh yeah, goodness. it was, uh, it was hard. You're playing trains and automobiles. You're literally never home for five and a half months, just traveling the world. Anyway, so then in the 92 Olympics, I made the team, uh, we played in Albaville, France, and then that gets over. Unfortunately, we ended up in fourth place, which, uh. That's still pretty good. (laughs) It's still pretty good, but it ain't a medal. So, uh, it was, it was exciting. Uh, one of the best experiences in my life by far. Um, but after that, so then you're okay. I left college. Uh, the Olympics are over now. What do you do? And so that was in 1992. And then I, when you're drafted by a team, that's the only team I can negotiate with. So that was the Boston Bruins. And so begging my agent, did, did they give me an offer yet? Did they give me an offer yet? Did they give me an offer yet? And it uh, it took a couple of weeks to finally uh, to finally get the contract, drive in, play an afternoon game. And I don't even remember my my skates touching the ice. It was, you walk up, you sign a contract, you walk in the locker room. I look across Ray Bork, who, if anybody's listening, knows hockey at all, is Hall of Fame, legendary, one of my heroes. And I look across the room and he's putting on the same jersey I'm putting on. And it was like, oh my God, this is it. I made it. Yeah.
1: That's so crazy. And at any point, did you think you weren't going to make it?
0: Yeah, every day. That's
1: crazy. (laughs) And when you finally did, like, what were you thinking then?
0: How do you stay? Uh, The funny thing was, actually, that's an interesting question because your whole life you're setting goals. And I tell kids that I coach now that, you know, set your goals and achieve them, set your goals and achieve them, set your goals and achieve them. Well, my goals were always, you know, make my high school team, make my college team, make the Olympics and, and make the NHL. And then I made it. And then I was like, oh, I got to get some new goals here. <laughs> it's like, all right, then, then it's, can I really set a goal to make an all-star team? What, you know, what can I, I'm, I'm in the best league in the world. It's hard to even fathom. I was such living in a dream world. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a culmination of all the lifetimes work. And then it was like, okay, now I re- got to readjust and uh, figure out how to stay here.
1: Yeah. And moving from like high school or college into a professional league, how do you navigate that? Are, are you being taught by the players themselves, like them helping you out, like as peers, or is it something you kind of learn on yourself? Like you learn the culture.
0: The culture. I, yeah, it's sort of organic. You just, when you start, When you get to a level where you're you're jumping in the locker rooms with guys that you've never met before, you know, do you walk in like the big tough guy just puffed out or you walked in with you staring at your shoes or who are you? It's your personalities mixed in there a little bit but you definitely don't want to get walked on. And there's definitely a lot of uh, trash talk that goes on and you don't want to be the guy on the brunt of that. So it's that balance of played with plenty of guys that came in with that big ego and they're like, yeah. And and they were never that, that team guy. You come in with guys who couldn't take a little bit of heat and they don't make it either. So you sort of find that quiet confidence of a guy who speaks and, and people listen when you speak and, um, working by example and, and just all the stuff. I mean, I, you could go a, a long list, but you just, you know who you like when you work with them or when you play hockey with them or you're on the basketball court with them. You just know those guys who are in it for you as much as themselves and the team. And you just try to be one of those guys is going to make the team a better team. And you'll stick around a long time anywhere if, if you have that attitude where you you know, you do your best, but at the benefit of everybody else.
1: Yeah. And how did your friends and family react when you made it into like the professional
0: league? <laughs> I got a lot more cousins and everybody that I never knew I had. Um, so, yeah, I grew up just outside of Boston and then all of a sudden I'm playing for Boston. And and yeah, there was a, there was a, a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying they were related to me and, and whatnot. But no, the... First and foremost, it was a joy. It was a dream. It was awesome. Um, You know, I moved out of my house. Actually, my first year, I lived at home a lot of heat from the guys in the locker room. Yeah, did mommy put out your footy pajamas last night when you got home from the road? Uh, so that was kind of cool. I actually lived at home with my parents my rookie year. I was 22. It was probably a little too old. 22? Yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a Billy Joel song. I'm 21, and my mother still makes my bed. I came home from a road trip. My mother had made my bed. I'm like, I'm out of here. That's it. So I bought a little, little condo, and I had five guys immediately move in with me. It should have been Greek letters out front. It was more of a a frat yeah. house than anything but yeah my buddies they were just awesome they enjoyed it you know it Was just, I tried to be the same guy I ever was but I just happened to play for the local professional team it was kind of cool
1: that's crazy and what was I gonna say oh man hmm. sorry Steve
0: that's okay I'm here for a while <laughs>
1: um <laughs> dang it I was thinking about something um Hmm. Oh, I was going to say in Boston, like if you in California, I mean, it doesn't really snow, but in Boston, it's such a bigger deal, right? Because right. that's like a big part of the culture. Like yeah. Hockey is a big part of the culture up there. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Okay. That's crazy. And um, what was it like playing on an Olympic team? <laughs> Uh, Olympic team is.
0: Uh, I don't want to say it's better than the NHL or something. It's different, but anytime you can put on the USA and 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 play for your country, I mean, it's just it's it just means a little more for the, me. The world's watching, right? In the world's watching, yeah. and back in the day, more so. Well, yeah, even then, ninety-two, uh, the the wall had fallen and stuff. We when we played. Russia in the Olympics. They weren't called Russia then. (laughs) They had changed their name because, yeah, I should remember, but it was the unified whatever. Uh, They were going through a big transition. But when I was even younger, like 16s, um, play on a national team at 16 years old and we're playing the Russian team. And that was like, you know, still the Cold War and all that. And and it it, it, it certainly meant more than just the hockey game. Um, But, yeah, anytime you can represent – your country and and think of a couple of things egotistically that you're one of the best in the country yeah. I and mean, just to think that about <laughs> yourself man i worked pretty hard to get to here that's pretty cool but you know on a deeper level of playing for your country and what the united states of america means and what it means to you and what it gives all of us and and all that to be able to represent that is uh is pretty special
1: yeah and you talk about setting goals like were you very disciplined in in reaching these goals like you Were you practicing day in, day out, or what was that like for you?
0: Um, Yeah, it's funny. I guess, yes, extremely is the simple answer. Um, I look back and and think, geez, I didn't work hard enough because I never did make an all-star team. I never (laughs) did win a Stanley Cup. I'm like, if I had just worked harder. Um, But even to this day, coaching kids are my my own I still skate at the, the, the local rink and 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 love the game and want to be the best I can and i I'm still trying to work out to get better and and, and whatnot. And people are like Steve uh, people aren't like you. <laughs> they don't they don't work that hard at it. It doesn't mean that much to them. Um but I don't know. It's just the way I was built. I had two older brothers, my whole family played sports, aunts, uncles, um my father was a pro baseball player, AAA, A not he never made it to the show, but everyone everyone around me was always an athlete or competing. So I don't know if I know anybody in the world that wants to win more than I want to win, whether it's playing cards or, uh, I don't know, uh, playing hockey or any other sport. I just I just want to win. Um, hopefully not to the point where it's making people angry, but I guess sometimes it does. I just want to win. Um, and that entails being the best you can be to in order to achieve that. Yeah. And if not hockey what were your
1: plans if like you did not make it and you're like, damn, now I have to do this. Were there any
0: like, um, plan no idea. B? I'm still trying to figure it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, uh. You know what? I, they would ask that when we played and mm. I, you know, I do something business or whatever, you know, I did okay in school. I had a big enough brain to get through college, you get good grades and, and that kind of stuff, but there was nothing. And it's interesting because I have four kids now and I, and they're trying to figure it out and I'm trying to help them and, 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 and to find that passion in life where your job isn't a job, it's something you do to make money, but it's not a job. I mean, that's what hockey was, right? I'm just having fun playing a game. and paying me an ungodly amount of money, but it was was about the game and I love the game. So anybody listening or as I tell my kids, if you can just find that thing, you have a passion for, um, uh, do that. And, and, and hopefully you can do it in a way where you get compensated for it. Mm. Um, but what, I guess the the, the, longer answer, um, I really got interested in psychology and the psychology of the game. Um, I was always big enough, strong enough, and pretty much everybody in the NHL is physically gifted enough or put in enough time to be strong, fast, etc. The, the thing that sets guys apart from other guys is the mental game. Um, right around my third or fourth year in the league, I was sort of surviving. I was in the league and then to score 20 goals in the NHL is sort of like okay you can hang you get 20 goals or more you're 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 a legit NHLer and i was you know around the 14 15 16, i think i had 18 goals um my rookie year but I couldn't break through. And, and then I met our, not met, I get more involved with our sports psychologist with uh, the Boston Bruins. And he started teaching me things about um, visualization, meditation, self-talk was a big thing. Um, if I made a mistake, I'd tell myself how crappy I was and how awful I am. And and, and I'm sure lots of people out there can relate to this um, is that you, you You gotta understand what's going on inside your brain. And, and, and a lot of times for a pro athlete, to find that zone, that unconscious, you just play the best game of your life and you don't even know how it happened. It's clearing your head, clearing the mechanism and and, and, and letting yourself play. And a whole bunch of that is is um, psychology and, and just how, uh, how you think, um, which turns into how you feel. Anyway, so I had this <laughs> is too long of an answer. So I left uh, Boston college after three years, um, left about 10 classes on the table that I had to finish. So in the summers I had to go back and I had some prerequisites I had to do, but all my electives I was choosing was, um, psych- psychology classes and I was just loving them. And I thought that's what I would do when I was done. um, the story goes on and on, I guess, but uh, I tried to go back to school after I was done when I retired, but I had to retire due to concussions. Um, oh, damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually got into Cal Lutheran university in their, their program to become a counselor, but I, about two months in, my brain just couldn't keep up. Uh, that's the longer story about concussions and every kid out there should be careful or anybody who gets one. But anyways, so that never came to fruition. So I found other ways around the community to to help out, but, uh, but psychology and, and that kind of idea of helping people understand that, um, you know, what's going on between their ears has a big way, big influence on uh, their day-to-day stuff. So.
1: Yeah. W- were there any ways to, to have prevented those concussions?
0: Uh, I wish. Uh, not playing so soon after getting one. Um. Um, yeah. I'd, so, yeah, I went a lot. They try to document all the concussions I had when I played. And it, it was sort of back in the day that I played. So 92, as we mentioned. Through that era, they were starting to realize, yeah, th- these concussion things are not good. We need to be a little more careful. But it was still, you get hit. You you look at the the trainer. He's like, "You okay? Can you go back?" And, you say, and you're a hockey player. You say, "Yeah, I can go back." Well, now they realize, no, don't leave it up to the athlete because we're a bunch of dumb athletes that are too competitive and will win at any cost, and we're not gonna protect ourselves. So sometimes the trainers, or you know, most times the trainer needs to hop in. Now they have some protocols that have to happen in the NHL. Um, and there's a lot more awareness. As I said, I'm coaching young kids. There's a lot more awareness. If I see a kid, get, quote unquote, get his bell rung, he's a down. He's out for the game in probably two weeks. What happened with me is I got a concussion. Um, I knew I wasn't feeling right, but it was the, towards the end of my career. I still wanted my job. I still wanted to win. I still wanted to play. So I went back in and uh, and I played before I was fully recovered from the previous concussion and I was skating through center. I remember it. Usually we could get, get a concussion and I've had a bunch of those that we you don't remember <laughs> a few hours or a few days, but this one, I saw the guy coming, I braced, I hit him. Well, he hit me, but I braced for it. We both sort of bounced off each other and I just went, Oh, Oh heck. <laughs> a different word, but, uh, and I felt the feeling and it was just an, Oh no. Um, and I knew it. Trainer came over. I said, No, I'm fine, leave me alone. I played the rest of the game. And it was it was towards tax season. So we're coming home on the on the flight home. That's another perk of pro hockey on the private jet. You forget to fly <laughs> in the private jet. So in my nice, comfortable seat, I have all my taxes that I'm looking over. And as I said, I, you know, I do I used to be able to do okay in math and everything else. And I actually started crying. I was in tears trying to do the math of my taxes. And I'm like, oh no, this is bad. Whoa. And then, I don't know, my wife's a saint. It was another two years of me having a tough time getting off the couch, um, functioning at all. And then eventually things just started to lift. It's plasticity of the brain. Your brain un- it can overcome, as long as you keep it active and start exercising it, it can um, I guess, address the, the, the inefficiencies and, and work around it, which is why I can, I can sit here today and talk to you <laughs> because when I had the concussions, I couldn't do this. If I did this um, soon after I had my concussions, I'd be in bed for a week. It was, it's weird stuff, weird weird stuff. So anybody listening out there, anybody, um, that ever gets one, you just need to take the time to let it heal and and then, then you should be fine. But getting another concussion on top of a concussion is not a good thing. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And after the league, like, do you still get paid by the league by any, like of the cards or jerseys or
0: um, not a lot. That's, that's a great question. I just got an email the other day and it was one of those, is somebody fishing here? Cause they're like, we're going to send you 3000 cards and pay you a buck a card. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, but no, there isn't, unless I was not a hall of famer, I was not an all-star. Um, I was a decent player that played in the league, you know, 12 years. Um, but guys like me aren't getting, you know, big deal contracts, the Wayne Gretzky's, are the guys you see on TV. Yeah. They're, they're making money other ways. Once the game's over a guy like me, no, you gotta go get a real job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dang. And we like, we kind of skipped over like the, um, your journey throughout those 12 years. So you started with Boston Bruins and then what is the process like when you start um, going to other teams? Is that your choice? Is that like someone, you know, trading you? Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely not my choice. Um, it is you sign a contract, and that contract is good for that team you're playing on. Or if another team wants you, or or your team that you're on doesn't want you, they can trade you to any other team. Sometimes you have two way contracts where if you get sent to the minor leagues, they pay you less money. If you play on the big club, you get. Um, that that salary. Uh, once you're in the league a little while, you get a one-way contract. That means wherever they put you, you get that's guaranteed money. That's the NHL. It's a little different in other leagues. Um, football has tough contracts where if you get injured, they can just walk away. It's 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 pretty tough. But with the NHL, you're guaranteed that money. So then you just do your best to play on that team, be part of the team. If for whatever reason, the chemistry doesn't work, that team can trade you at any time. Well, anytime until the trade deadline towards the end of the season, because they don't want teams plucking guys like right before playoffs Mm -hmm. and loading up. So there's a trade deadline, but anytime before that, you can be traded to any team. So I lasted a long time in Boston. It was I don't know, almost 10 years, nine or 10 years. Oh, no way? Um, yeah, just in Boston. That's Damn. where I stayed the longest um, or nine seasons, I guess, because uh, I started in that first half season. But at the end of that time, we sort of were like, you know, we're not getting along so good anymore. It's time for a change. And then two new teams are coming into the league. The Columbus Blue Jackets and um, Minnesota were coming in as expansion teams. So at that time, the Bruins could protect a certain amount of guys and not protect, meaning they could get drafted to these expansion teams. This is, happens in sports all the time. But So I asked, and the Bruins agreed, because they agreed it was time to go, that they didn't protect me. So in the expansion draft, I got picked up by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and so then I became their, quote unquote, property. I had to go. That's the only team I could play for. So... You talk to them and their management and yeah, I want to play for you. Okay. Um, And so I went to Columbus and that's an expansion team. So it's actually a new lease on life because you're not – not that we were bad, but it's not, you know, you're not, you don't have a a list of all stars that are getting picked up in the expansion draft. So I go to Columbus and now I'm a first liner, first power play, getting lots of time, scoring lots of goals. And it was, it was great. Unfortunately, we didn't win a lot because we were an expansion team. (laughs) So at the end of that, towards the end of that season, um, we couldn't come to agreement on a contract for the following season. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, no, it's not all about money, but is, is a, the business side of it is the business side of it. Um, we couldn't come to terms on a, on, a, on, a, on a contract, so they traded me at the trade deadline um, to the Buffalo Sabres. Now, funny story, when I got married a uh, year and a half before that, I told my wife the same story, that they could trade me anytime. I just said to her, but if we get traded to Buffalo, you can leave me because no one wants to live in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo's a beautiful, the people there were wonderful, but Buffalo <laughs> is the coldest, most snowiest, most. Oh my God, it's a tough place to live. The people were wonderful, but you don't want to live there. Anyway, so I got <laughs> traded there and we played the playoffs there with the guy by the name of Dominic Hassock, which is one of the best goalies that's ever been created. We had a pretty good cup run, but we only made it to the the end of the second round. Mario Lemieux beat us. <laughs> But then after that, I became a free agent. So in hockey, you become a free agent after 10 years in the league. So then I could go to my agent and say, you know, I want to go here. I want to go there. And I just told my agent, get me someplace warm. So I said, get me traded, get me signed with somebody in California, Florida, Dallas, someplace warm. I'm sick of this cold weather. And of course I wanted to go someplace that could win. Um, <laughs> and the first place that offered a contract and a very good one was the Los Angeles Kings, yeah. which is awesome, which is why I'm sitting here today because, you know, once I got to California, I'm like, I'm never leaving this place. So, oh, really? That's
1: what like started it
0: all? Yeah. So I got signed with the Kings um, and signed a three-year deal that I only played two of because of the concussions so Um, you ended your career with the kings yeah so i ended there in in 2003 with the kings um yeah and it was we lived in manhattan beach where all the whole team lives right in the south bay there and uh it was beautiful i loved it for me it was like going to bay watch every day down down on the beach but uh it was a whole new experience for a kid from massachusetts but uh, i loved it um didn't love the traffic though so then when i was retired Um, my wife and I had a friend who lived up here in Summerland, um, and was like, he had traveled the world. He said, you want to live in Santa Barbara? I'm like, what do you mean? He says, it's the best place in the world. That's (laughs) crazy. So that's how we ended up in Santa Barbara.
1: Oh my goodness. I
0: can't wait to hear it. But I
1: did want (laughs) to ask you, you were you around the era that Gretzky played and did you ever play with him
0: I played against him so he he had left the kings by the time I got to the kings he had, nah, he actually retired by then so he left the kings and did st louis and the rangers um in 92 one of my first games in the league I played against him when he was still at the Whoa. kings yeah i didn't know whether i wanted to hit him or have him sign my glove i just <laughs> it was like oh my god what do you do with this guy yeah uh yeah it was uh that was yeah, that was a dream. It was like my tenth game in the league, playing against Gretzky. Yeah, that was uh, that was wild. Yeah, what would you say is your most memorable
1: like moment?
0: I've been asked that a lot. I mean, I always remember your first goal. So it took me a while to score <laughs> my first goal, unfortunately. Um, and. I think it was my seventh game or I don't know, but it was an overtime winner against Buffalo and I made, oh, okay. you know, I got this pass next to the crease and made this move and scored the goal. And I can remember it vividly in my mind. So your first goal, um, the first game for first putting on that Jersey, as, it, as I described, you're putting on this Boston Bruins Jersey and looking across and seeing hall of famers doing the same thing. I remember that, the playoff games um most of the playoffs and all those big games and the overtime games and stuff like that but uh it's tough to name one i didn't i never won the cup so yeah. I, I, had i done that i would say that would be yeah. the memory but i never got there there's just a whole bunch of good ones
1: what about your first hat trick and you could explain what a what a hat trick is a lot of people yeah, don't know
0: what a hat trick three goals in a game yeah i just <laughs> thought that was universal the hat trick <laughs> in any in any sport but uh yeah. I remember that one too. It was, uh, oh my goodness. There's a, a little backstory to it. We're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's my rookie year. Um, they're a juggernaut. They have guys that are just, that I think six or eight of them made it to the Hall of Fame. Um, they were beating everybody. Sadly, or unbelievably, that day, Mario Lemieux got diagnosed with cancer. So, Mario Lemieux may be the best player that ever played. It's arguable Gretzky or him or Or. There's a few, there's a, there's a short list of who's the best that ever played. Um, Lemieux. Got diagnosed with cancer that day. Their whole team is just deflated. We beat them seven nothing. I I, I happen to get a hat trick that day. <laughs> well, my my gain, um, <laughs> you know. I, you, I can laugh about it because Lemieux beat the cancer. He still ended up leading the league in scoring Whoa. with cancer. Yeah. I mean that guy was just unbelievable. But that that particular day, the team was a little bit deflated for. Yeah for Pittsburgh. So we, we beat them pretty good. And I happen to be the guy that got a lot of those goals. So yeah. yeah Dang, bad ass, dude.
1: And what's <laughs> it like, like, I mean, you mentioned like you putting on the Jersey, but that's your jersey what is it like having your name on that jersey your own like uh hockey cards uh and like those headshots you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the whole thing's a little bit surreal because you're just that kid that used to play on the ponds and and love the game of hockey um you try to not you know as not let it change you was that guy now that he's made it is he a different person i always try to not change right still be the, the same guy for me, the absolute epitome of when I made it is when I could put myself in on a video game. Were you were <laughs> so, you in a video yeah, game? Yeah. So that was Sega back then, oh I think my Sega goodness. hockey. And uh and I could Playing with my buddies, we we all live together, but you got the console, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna put myself in, dude. That's badass. (laughs) I was at this uh game store like in Galita, and I was looking for
1: a hockey game. I wonder if Steve's in it. I was like looking at what year, and I think it was 2003, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you might have been on that, yeah, Yeah. dude. I need to go back and buy it, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty
0: cool when I could put myself in on a video game that was like, Wow, this is it, Yeah. yeah.
1: So you moved to Santa Barbara, and then you Are Are you
0: no longer in the league by then? So, yeah. So, I, as I mentioned, I, the concussions, I spent about a year trying to figure out if I could get better and trying to get better. I mean, you don't really – well, they, there's more exercises now. They have more technology to help you uh, recover from and they have a better idea. But at the time, it was just that time. And I tried to lay around and then I'd try to walk and see if I got dizzy. And then I'd try to run and see if I got dizzy. And then I'd try to lift a weight and that I never – really got to lifting weights as soon as I lifted a weight I just I was junk anyway so after about a year I called my agent I'm like yeah I don't think I can do this anymore he's like okay I said do I need to tell anybody he's like no <laughs> it's just oh, yeah. dang. you're done yeah, yeah okay see you later so then that was when we really decided I we still had the house in Manhattan Beach and it was like "Are we staying in California that's when we decided to come up here to Santa Barbara um and that, yeah. That, so that was 2004. Um, moved in here with a couple of little kids, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and started a life here. Yeah. And then it was, well, what am I going to do now? So, yeah.
1: Yeah. What did you do? Because I met you because you were doing like, um, like the Fighting Back program. I think that's what it was.
0: Right. So... Yeah, so I get here in 2004, the buddy I had mentioned who lived in Summerlin had another buddy who lived in my neighborhood who was a school counselor. And so, as I had mentioned, you know, psychology, giving back, I thought, ooh, counselor, maybe I'll be a school counselor. What I thought of as a school counselor at the time is a guy, you know, like... Uh, I don't know, Mr. Carter. Well, he was a teacher, but <laughs> a, a place where the kids go when they have problems and I could be the guy at yeah. school to talk these kids through their problems and and sort of be the psychologist in the, in the school. Um, it's not that way. Guidance counselor is more picking classes and things for kids. I was a little, <laughs> yeah. I was a little naive back then, but I wanted to get a, a degree in counseling. So uh, talking to uh, my friend's friend, he said, well, they have this, uh, on drugs and alcohol. It's sort of a mentor program. It's a, it's a way to, you know, look good to get into school and it's, it's good practice, blah, blah, blah. So I said, all right, I'm in. And they said, well, you know, we'll hook you up with this, you know, young individual, this junior high kid. Um, and that was your brother. Yeah. <laughs> so I met Sal first time I met Sal. They, I kind of, they didn't even introduce me to him. He was sitting on the, the stairs at the junior high, with his hand, with his arm around some girl, like just hanging out at recess. And I'm like, "Hi," <laughs> he kind of gave me the, the sideways glance, like a tough guy, and with his arm around his girl. What is he, he's all a thirteen or fourteen? Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh boy," I'm not <laughs> out of my league here. Um, yeah, so that was the first time I met Sal, and it was uh, it was, it was a tough sledding to, 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 I guess the word is win him over. But uh, yeah, we uh, once a week we would meet in the, in the. the Council was like, no, you can't have him in your car. You can't, you know, all these laws and rules, which are totally understandable. But I'm like, I need to get to know this kid. I can't see him once a week for an hour at school. He hates school. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't understand me or what I'm all about. I want to get to know this kid. And it took a, a year or so before they gave us the ability to go for a hike and and that I could actually have him over my house. and. Once we sort of got out of the, the school realm, I real and I knew it already, that your brother's a great kid, and he just has all these wonderful qualities. Um, sitting behind a desk at school was not his strength. It just mm-hmm. different people learn different ways, different people interact different ways. Um, but no, I, I always knew there was this shining light inside of Sal that he's just this great kid. But your environment that you grew up in was. Uh, was a tough one. They're surrounded by stuff. I grew up surrounded by, like I said, athletes and everybody's played sports, you know, where you grew up and surrounded by some people that are maybe not into some of the greatest things and not setting the best example for you. Um, once Sal sort of saw that example, I think that the the, the biggest and best thing is he got a job. He got a job and then all of a sudden had responsibility. Then you yeah. got Kimbo the dog and a little more responsibility yeah. and, and, uh, you know and i'm really proud of where he is today where you are where your other brother is it's it's pretty awesome stuff
1: and it's a lot because of you that job was because of you right <laughs> yeah that's what you guys
0: say that and I, I i i i think of you as family i think of sal as i just i'm just proud of what you guys have done yeah. and and where you've come from I, when i was when i first was sort of meeting sal and trying to figure it out and what's making him tick and why and I still don't know if he was actually in the gang or if he yeah. ever got jumped in. I would ask him, I'm not in the gang, Steve. I'm like, well, you know, please don't. And well, uh, but it was your game day, or you didn't get as involved, thankfully, as he did. I don't think you might be able to tell a different story. But um for him, and and I could relate to it because walking from the east side to the west side was his game day. Like that's that was my hockey game. My my Saturday was on a rank within glass controls with referees. His game day was walking down the street and seeing a West Sider, and then it was on. And that that was his pride. That's what he took pride in, which I could totally relate to as wrong and as bad and as unfortunate it is. But I could relate to that side of him and that side of what he had to live. Unfortunately, he had to live it every day. But- it's just, we all go through our stuff and, and, and once he figured out that he didn't have to fight that kid walking down the street, just cause he lived over on the different side of the street, um, I think he learned a lot, but, uh, yeah, we're all still learning. Yeah. Yeah. Did you learn a lot?
1: Cause were you exposed to to mexican culture as much as you were with sal oh my god i learned
0: more <laughs> i learned more than he ever learned i learned more yeah about the whole thing and and again i'm from boston you know people out there the immigration and they should just send them all back and it's like no dude you have no idea how wrapped and how intricate and how nuanced all that is and and Yeah, it's, and I didn't, Sal, Sal, I didn't care if he was legal, illegal, easy, a young 14-year-old kid that lives in my community. I didn't, whether, I want to help him. I want to help him because I want to help my community. I want to help him help others. It wasn't, it's not about, it's not about anything but the human being underneath, color of the skin, where you're from, where you were born. It just gets all caught up with that. They pay in taxes, you know, yeah, it's, it's. We could <laughs> we can't have a hundred more podcasts about this yeah, one, right? It's yeah. so it's so ingrained out here where where I try to explain it to people from Boston and they just they just don't get it. But it's uh he's just a human being that happens. You know he didn't he didn't choose to move here. And I know you had an uh, interview with your brother the other day that I learned some stuff too and on, on why you know your family moved here and everybody's got a different story and and everybody needs you know support and help yeah i think people are just shaped by their like lived experiences because if it weren't
1: for you again let's say you didn't come into the picture where would have sal gone you know he would it would have been a lot worse he wouldn't have that guidance you know
0: yeah. I Thank you. I'm flattered. I don't know. Um, I did what I could do, but he did the work again. I mean, he, we, we got him a job over at Arigato and he showed up every day and he was never late. And they raved about how good of a worker he was. And, and you know, he did it. And I knew it was in there. Um, but yeah, everybody needs a chance. And, and And most people, when given that chance, especially coming from a place where they didn't have one, they latch onto that and, and run with it. And he certainly has.
1: Yeah. Were you tripping out when you saw him with like 3X shirts and he's like five foot?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I don't. I, <laughs> that i just didn't understand it because i'm like yeah let's go it's your birthday let's go clothes shop and he's all right let's go over to what is it uh 2001 2001." (laughs) and i don't want to know disrespect to anybody anybody can dress any way they want i just didn't understand why he needed 55 inch waist i'm like (laughs) you have like a a 25 inch waist why are you getting a 55 i don't understand that it's the style steve all right, Sal. I, I uh, just, I really, I just, I don't want to, you know, anybody can dress any way they want. I just never really. Yeah. No, it was that. just like culturally different for you. Yeah, because where God. you're from, like that's yeah. just, yeah. yeah. You just buy a pants that fit your waist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I have a friend. Um, I was with a friend the other day and I was walking downtown and my mind immediately, I saw like um, some gangsters and you know, like I don't, again, I don't really judge them either way. Like my brothers were like, you know, hanging out with them. Uh, in the past and I had like white socks on and I always like fold them in half like because you know that's like, a thing right and my friend is white and she's like oh why'd you get like so like on your guard and like you know you you was so weird when you passed on I'm, like dude because like you know things could happen they could just hit you up like if they would want to or just like you know right. sock you because they think you look a certain way yeah and she's like whoa like I didn't know like people did that
0: yeah I'd, I'd walk around with Sal and I'm like what just happened right there well he flashed me a sign and I'm like what's that? What are you talking Yeah, it's totally foreign. Like I didn't pick up on any of it, but he would afterwards say, yeah, that guy, you know, the only reason he didn't jump me is because I'm with you, Steve. (laughs) Yeah, he Um, would say that all the time.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's why I'm even doing this podcast is is like I'm trying to expose people to different information. Like I had the former gang member on this podcast. I want to have professors. And it's a little hard sometimes like when professors see that I have certain people on there Mm -hmm. that they're all like, huh, I don't know if I want to be involved. But the whole point is that these are members of society, whether you agree with it or not, like they're a part of our community, you know, and they could grow up to be that definition that you're giving them, or you could give them a chance and they could turn out how like, for example, Sal did like, right, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. There's a way to get along and there's a way not to, if you don't open your mind to that, they might dress a little different. Again, I didn't judge Sal cause he had a 53 inch waist on his jeans. I just didn't understand it. Yeah. Um, and then other, you know, there's, oh yeah, again, the, I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you stated that way because there's, yeah, the whole LGB, you know, the, the whole, that whole side of things. There's culturally, you know, whether you come from Mexico or my ancestry's from Germany, like we're all from somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm from the right somewhere or the wrong somewhere. We all want to you know, and the United States is still, you know, in my opinion, the best in the world, but it's, it's a place of freedom. We, if we can maybe get away from, you have to be all the way fully left or all the way fully right, meet in the middle somewhere, we should all be able to get along at some level. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky subject for sure, but that's how I always try to
1: preface it. Like in my intros, just like say that, like, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm like, this is like for the mirror, like spreading knowledge and stuff. And, it, and it's been doing really well. Like now we're like, you know, number one at UCSB. So that's really cool.
0: Nice. Yeah. 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 You're doing something good, kid. <laughs> I know, man. And
1: again, I I really credit you, uh, you know, not entirely. You you say that like we, we did a part, obviously, but a big part of us being here today, like and doing what we're doing is because of you. So I just want to thank you.
0: That warms my heart. <laughs> no, re- I mean it's you do a lot in life and whatever we talked about playing in the NHL, but th- that's as, as important as anything. Three kids that are maybe doing better than maybe they would have because I did a little something. That's that's it. Like why? Yeah. Why else are you living life? To, but you know, if if you can make the world a little bit better. Um, But yeah, thank you. And I'm flattered. But yeah, you guys are are, are carrying the mail from from whatever I did. You took it and you ran with it. And so I, I wish you nothing but the best. This is great sitting here. Yeah.
1: And do you remember when, unfortunately, like, I don't know if you were there at the time, but do you remember when Sal got stabbed? No? Oh
0: yeah, I mean the, some of the stories with Sal. I mean, yeah, going <laughs> to pick him up at a juvie, and then well, no, he can't come with you. I'm like, what do you mean? He's he just got acquitted or whatever this is. Yeah. I don't really understand, but he got let off, and 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 they're like, no, he's he's with Ice, and I oh. said, um, uh, what does that mean? I'm like, what what is Ice? And they're like, well, no, he's. He's going to get deported. And then, it's, and that whole, like, yeah, i have blown away the learning experience that I still don't understand. He went to three different states and then ended up back here. So, a little taxpayer money not being spent in the, in the best way possible. But yeah, that whole thing that we briefly mentioned about uh, about citizenship or, you know, or, or, yeah, it's just, it was an eye-opening uh experience educational experience on on a lot a lot of levels on whole how the whole yeah how it all works dang yeah that's crazy do you still have your uh your dog Fletcher
1: do
0: <laughs> Fletcher. you want to make me cry on this podcast oh, <laughs> you, did he pass well he was 13 and a half oh it was my goodness. about a month and a half ago he passed but, oh man but it was time yeah um we have a little his little buddy cody's still around but uh yeah, Fletch and, and, and Sal and his dogs always got along pretty well in Kimbo back in the day. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, I often think about Kimbo, Fletcher, and was it Riley?
0: Riley was before that. Riley was
1: that's when like we first met. and We saw that dog. Like that's crazy. The the type of connection you could have to like you know a pet or like a
0: yeah. I honestly think that's one of the things that's kept Sal to the straight and narrow. He's like I can't get in any trouble because somebody's got to take care of Kimbo. His dog. So responsibility. Kimbo was cool. Dude, he was a cool dog.
1: Have you met Pincho?
0: Oh, yeah. just <laughs> so yeah, different. She, yeah, she, but she's, she's cool. She's cool. She'll run around the ranch. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a special connection to, to whatever it is with the person, the animal, whatever, you know, feel that love, that connection. It gives you a reason for, you know, doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Dang.
0: Are there any other stories about the
1: NHL that you'd like to share? Anything that you think is of importance?
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's. The whole experience itself, I mean, we, we touched on it, uh, if anybody's out there listening, it's like you, you can achieve anything you want to achieve if you put your mind to it. Um, I was just some little kid from Boston who had a passion and 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 support around it too. Nobody makes it by themselves. Um, I had wonderful parents, brothers that they beat me up as much as they supported me, but both things probably helped. Um But anybody, and you're just talking about a little bit that I did with your family and and you're there for your brothers and and I know you have extended family around. Um, Everybody needs somebody, community, whatever that is. whether you can find it out at UCSB or out in Ivy, sometimes that Ivy community can be a little interesting, yeah. <laughs> but, um, nobody gets there alone, whether it's, you know, whether you're Elon Musk or, or, or whoever, or Wayne Gretzky or the best in the, the world they, nobody gets there on their own. And I had a lot of support and a lot of help. Um, and again, I mentioned that just the sports psychologist was, was a huge help talking to people. Um, I have four kids now, uh, you know we go to therapy you know now and then for them for myself for everybody just to talk about stuff sitting here talking to you puts me in a better mood um it's Same, just yeah. yeah it's just it's community sharing feelings, being able to get open about stuff. Um, I guess I segued way off the NHL stuff. No, but that's uh, cool. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of how my life is gone as much as I was the individual that made it in the NHL and have great individual memories in the hat trick that I scored um, my first goal that I mentioned. Um, yeah. That one individual of myself did a lot of stuff, but but never, ever by myself, it was always, you know, you're on somebody else's shoulders helping you to get there. So, I mean, I hope um, that this podcast or anybody listening that, you know, no matter who you are, you can either help or be helped. Um, and don't be afraid of either. Um, I went in eyes wide open or maybe shut to get into the um the Council of Drug and Alcohol, the mentor program, and and it's one of the best things that's happened to me in my life that, you know, I was over visiting Sal at his ranch the other day working and just my smile couldn't be any bigger. It couldn't be more fulfilling that, you know, I had some part in, in, in your guys' lives, so... Yeah. The, the NHL was great. Uh, there's no more particular stories. I mean, I could get maybe off air. I could tell you some fun <laughs> ones, yeah. but it was, a, and, and, and hopefully that and the athletes, I think do a better job today of being those role models and, and helping out in the community and, 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 and then those things, I mean, I guess, yeah. Visiting hospitals back in the day, they did that a lot. Um, especially back in Boston, but doing charity events and, and just helping out other people, um, uh, is yeah is, is the things you remember and the things that make you feel good as much as scoring the goals is is, is helping out so yeah, yeah. You, you were a big part in why they
1: like built the rink here in the first place right you were like kind of pushing for it
0: so yeah so then well yeah I got here two things I did I you know it started that mentor program and then I tried to find a local rink and all there was was a website so I found the, the phone number on the website and this guy answered and his name's John Owasiak. he's now one of my best friends in town we coach hard together and skate together, but he's like, Oh, Steve Hines. Yeah. You played in the NHL. Yeah. Let's have lunch. <laughs> so what I found out was there was no rink and they were trying to build a nonprofit rink. And so, yeah, that was 2004, 2005 probably. So I joined the board of directors trying to raise money to build this rink. And that rink took another 10 years to build. So we raised, rose, raised money for 10 years. We built it in, um, 2015 um i am always blown away in santa barbara when somebody says oh there's a rink here <laughs> because i've spent my a lot of my time uh volunteering trying to get this rink built so it's out behind the home depot center on santa felicia ave um out in goleta we've been open since yeah since Fall of 2015, I coached the high school team there, the Santa Barbara Royals. Uh, I coached the younger levels too, the in-house the learn to skate. Um, I'm president of the board, which just means that <laughs> <laughs> just means I have to deal with a lot of headaches and heartaches. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful multi-million-dollar facility that we built all on donations. So it's really is a community. Um, I'm pretty proud of that. It really, it really feels like home and my my home away from. Home. My son and I get to play hockey with him. I think he's better than me he now. He plays, right? Is, yeah. Is he interested in the league? Oh, yeah. He lives it and loves it. Um, Wait, that's, no way. Is he going to try to reach that? He, well, every kid has his dream. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's trying his best. He's working hard. So, that's nice. Eli, my third son. My other son, my oldest son, Caden, he works there and drives the Zamboni.
1: Caden works there? Yeah, he just what? started
0: over there, too, and, and and doing something I've always wanted to do is drive the Zamboni. I still don't know how to do Whoa, that.
1: Oh, that's crazy easy.
0: Um, and then Sadie, my daughter, she, she skates there. She's a figure skater. No um, way. but yeah, it's a, it's an unbelievable community asset that got built. And a gentleman by the name of Jack Norqual was really the spearhead. He's the chairman of the board mm-hmm. and has really put in the most time and, uh, and, uh, and financially helped. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of my, uh, my other job. Um, you know, I'll volunteer, but it's, uh, It's fulfilling because we get to see, you know, new kids playing the game and, and the community that's over there is, is a pretty cool one. It's a pretty safe, healthy, um, teaching the right things to the kids. So it's a, it's a pretty neat place.
1: Nice. I've been there once in like 2016. Just once. I
0: haven't gone since. (laughs) I don't know. It's- <laughs> well, a big part of it, if anybody at UCSB is listening, we're trying to create more and more connections. I mean, we get things like broom ball, which is after you skate on the ice, it gets beat up enough where you can walk on it. It's still slippery, but then you get these, it, well, they used to really play with brooms and balls. And, and so we have broom ball that anybody can play, but there's also just learn to skate or figure skating or open skates. We have, we have college night on f- Friday. No, oh, no that's way. Tuesday night. Tuesday, Tuesday night's college night over yeah. there but we're just trying to get more inroads of all those wonderful kids over there to, yeah. to come over and enjoy the rink.
1: You know? Yeah. Let me know if uh, if there's any way I could help. I would love to like even do an ad for like the podcast okay. cool, for free. Yeah.
0: Once the season starts again, the UCSB has a hockey team that yeah. plays there. Oh, and no and, way.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: which you should know, but I, I guess you don't. Right? But yeah. yeah. You need to get some <laughs> flyers out there, Steve. <laughs> yeah. So the UCSB has a club hockey team that plays. They're a pretty good team. Nice. Um, but it's totally entertaining. It's full contact, full, pretty good hockey that... You know we try to get to this season. we're gonna to try to get their games primetime seven p m on a Saturday night, so yeah, get get the co-eds out there throwing some uh some tacos out on the ice it should yeah. be good.
1: Does anyone freak out when these they meet you?
0: <laughs> ah, no, not anymore <laughs> that didn't happen once I left Boston. that didn't happen much anymore. It was weird in Boston. it was a pretty big deal. You never paid for a meal, you never waited in line, Dang. but uh no, not so much, and it's 20 years ago now, yeah. so. But do people like trip
1: be. out? They're like, whoa, like you played for these
0: teams and. Sometimes if yeah. I'm playing, yeah, I skate and we play pickup and. and yeah, do you play? Are.
1: are you a part of any team? Or are you too good?
0: Yeah, No, no, <laughs> not anymore. I thought I was, but not anymore. <laughs> I got old enough. So yeah, no, I'll play tonight. I'm actually not supposed to because I hurt my back. But, oh no, Steve. But, uh, You're going to have to be the ref. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll get out there and I try to keep up. I mean, I'm 53 now. And so, you know, yeah. the 20 year olds are. Are pretty Yeah, a bunch of people
1: play, like uh, Brad, uh, uh, Croshaw. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, one Mr. of my
1: UCSB yeah. professors plays. Uh, they yeah. call him Gordo. Gordo, Abra? yeah. Gordon yeah. Abra, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great community. I mean, hockey's a thing you can play for the rest of your life, and that's what I tell the kids. The kids come in there, you know, three, four, five years old, and I we do have after they, they do an eight-week program, and then I come in and sign some cards to prove that I used to play in the NHL because they don't believe yeah. it, but I have old cards uh-huh. I'll sign for them. But what I tell them is you can play for the rest of your lives. I mean, we skate just as a group. You mentioned Mr. Croshaw, who used to be a teacher at the junior high. Um, He's one of the guys, and uh, John Owasiak, who I mentioned the first guy I met in town, he's... John's 65. Uh, Jack Norqual, I mentioned, I don't know if he'd like me to mention this, but he's probably 76. (laughs) I'm 53, but we all play together. Yeah. And you can play hockey for the rest of your life. And we all have a blast and we all, you know, passing the puck to each other. And and the fun thing about hockey is you can glide. Like if you're playing football, once your feet stop moving, you stop. But with hockey, you take a few hard strides and then you can glide and keep up with the play. So Yeah.
1: I remember you going around the rink and you would like make the like shaved (laughs) ice for us. And we'd be like, whoa. (laughs) Man. Yeah.
0: It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun whether you skate at that speed or any speed. It's just it's a it's a it's a pretty unique feeling skating around on
1: the ice. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, me and Sal need to check it out. Yeah. Heck Get out yeah. there. Yeah. Nice. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. It is twelve o'clock. I promised you an hour. So is there anything you want to leave uh off with?
0: Uh this is your podcast. No, this is I thank you. Honestly. Uh I couldn't be more proud of you. Happy to see where you're at and see where you're going and so excited for you and this podcast doing so great and it's uh and i'm just uh i'm just happy to be here and and flattered that you had me on so thank you
1: dude it is it is an honor and like a big full circle moment to like have you it feels great man yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast all right
0: thank you Adon.